Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. We're now going to shift gears a little bit and talk about streamlining climate lawsuits when it comes to big oil. And joining me on the line is Andrew Gage, a staff lawyer with West Coast Environmental Law. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, Talk a little bit about this. This is a joint letter that has been sent to the Premier of BC asking about that, streamlining the climate lawsuits against big oil. Uh, Maybe back up a little bit if you could and talk about how this started and where we're at in the process. Sure. Well, um, there actually are a number of uh, cities and actually even a, a state in the U.S. that are are realizing that the impacts of climate change are, are costing them dearly already and are going to cost more and more over time. And so they've turned to the courts um, to, in, in a way very similar to, to what uh, B.C. and Canadian provinces did in relation to tobacco uh, health-related costs in, in the 1990s, and, and those lawsuits continue. Um, and uh, you know, basically, you know, we, we agree. We, we think that, that we've... That, Although we are all at some level responsible for climate change, uh, you know, right now taxpayers are paying 100% of the cost of climate change. Those costs are only going to get more and more. And uh, you know, here we have an industry that has made hundreds of billions of dollars of profits uh, selling the products that, they, that give rise to climate change. They've known since the 1960s that those products cause climate change. Uh, they've not only did they not develop the patents they held in solar and in, in other other solutions that could have helped us uh, solve that problem, they actually lobbied against climate action uh, and uh, spread misinformation about the climate science. And so, you know, now we're in a situation where we have wildfire, um, you know, severe wildfires practically every year, flooding practically every year, uh, where cities are having to build their seawalls higher uh, because they know that there's going to be sea level level rise. And we're, we're asking the question, you know, should that be B.C. taxpayers paying or should the B.C. government put in place a law that will allow um, B.C. communities and the B.C. government and individuals harmed by climate change to recover those costs from, from uh, to, at least to some degree from these large companies? And how would you come up with the number? How would you determine how much liability the companies should be on the hook for? Well, that, that's something that, that could certainly be addressed in the legislation, but, but the, uh, the work that has really underpinned a lot of the lawsuits in the U.S. and also one in Germany um, is, is uh, by a scientist named Richard Heady, where he's actually looked at how much um, oil, gas, and coal uh, these large companies have produced over their lifetime um, and, and year by year, and he can, can say that you know, when that oil, oil, gas, and coal was burnt, that about... 3.24% of the greenhouse gases that are in the global atmosphere today came from Chevron's products and 3.1% from Exxon's products. So that's our starting point for that discussion. But I think that's the right conversation to have. It's not, you know, uh, is climate change real? It's who's going to, how are we going to pay for this and who, what is the fair share of these companies? Uh, what about the idea, though, in that, yes, it is these companies that are extracting uh, the resources and they're making millions of dollars on the resources, but they're only doing that because we as consumers are purchasing them and we are driving vehicles and we're heating our homes and we are mm-hmm. the consumers of this. So it's not as though, I mean, they're, they are only in business because they have consumers. Well, there's a chicken and egg aspect to this, of course, because, of, as I said, those companies actually have had patents in the 1960s and 70s for hybrid vehicles, for low-emission vehicles, and they didn't develop them because it was better. For, it was, From their point of view, they made more money by putting that money into trying to delay climate action as opposed to trying to solve the problem. So as a result, you and I as consumers have very limited options 
uh, in terms of solving this. That being said, of course we have a role as consumers, and right now taxpayers um, are paying 100% of the cost of climate change, and these companies aren't paying anything. So the question is really, what's the right balance? Not, not are we to blame, are they to blame, are they to blame, are we to blame, but you know, we all are going to have to pay, we're all going to have to get on board to solve the problem of climate change and to pay for the harm that's being caused. Taxpayers are already paying for it. Uh, taxpayers already have a carbon tax. Taxpayers already are paying when there are major wildfires or when communities have to rebuild. What about these companies that have made so much money and aren't paying anything other than, you know, beyond what any, any business pays? Uh, and, and what level of confidence do you have that this will result in the companies paying? You referenced the tobacco lawsuits. Haven't those been going on for something like 17 years at this point? Yeah, no, so clearly, um, you know, this is a long-term game. I mean, we know these costs are going to get more and more over time. And if we don't put in place the rules now and start having this conversation now, you know, it's never, you know, <laughs> this, we're not going to see this happen. We're going to see lawsuits be successful elsewhere while British Columbia continues to dither. Um, so, you know, we're not saying that putting in place this legislation will result tomorrow in a big payout. Um, what we are saying is that we have to start this conversation now to deal with the long-term impact, and also that as long as these companies believe that they will not be paying for the cost of climate change, they have every incentive to continue doing what they've done for decades, which is to block climate action and to not get on board with, with um, developing uh, alternative solutions that, that will allow us to move past uh, a society that's so dependent on fossil fuels. And is that part of the, the push of this as well, is to pressure them or to uh, get that, the, that moving in that, to, to, to go down that road of alternatives and uh, other, other types of, for, of, for them to profit as well, but perhaps other uh, more environmentally friendly options? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I think that it's, they're, they're, they're both key parts of, of the conversation, which is how are we p- paying for the harm and what is the economic incentive for them to improve things? And as long as you have the situation where we're paying for the harm and they're getting the profits, we're not going to solve this problem, and it's unfair to us at the same time. Uh, what do you do at this point? The letter has gone out to, to the Premier uh, and, and mm. with this idea of streamlining. What would you physically like to see happen at this point? Well, we'll continue the conversation with government uh, MLAs and with the Minister um, and uh, uh, but but I think ultimately British Columbians need to make it clear that this is something that, that we we view it as fiscally irresponsible for a government to just assume that taxpayers will continue burdening burdening um, or paying paying for the cost of, of climate impacts, particularly as they get more and more. So everyone I think needs to make ha- ask questions about why are you just passing these costs on to us? Yes, we of course we should be you know helping wildfire victims and helping flood victims and and uh, you know rebuilding communities that are impacted by climate change and building more resilient communities. But why are you just assuming that we'll pay 100% of those costs and when are we going to ask this industry to pay? So that's, it's a broad social conversation that has to happen. All right, Andrew, we'll have to leave it there. But thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thanks. All right. That was Andrew Gage. He is a lawyer with a staff lawyer with West Coast Environmental Law. All right, so when we come back, we are going to check in with Michael Campbell, as we do every Saturday morning. We'll take a look at what's coming up on Money Talks. And also, just a reminder, if you want to join the conversation, if you want to uh, talk about anything you've heard on the program or 
anything on your mind, maybe it wasn't on the program, you can give the Buzz line a call, 604-331-BUZZ. That is 604-331-2899. Let me know what you think. Doug wrote in saying, monopolies are never good for consumers. Two monopolies that cost people in BC time and money are ICBC and taxi companies. Time for both of these dinosaurs to compete for our dollars.